This is the Joe and Amber podcast. Remember when it was quiet in Brooklyn, Joe? Those oh, were yeah. the good old days, right? For like that very short moment in time that we had. This is Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio. All you have to do is tell your smart speakers to play ESPN Radio. He's Joe Fortenbaugh. I'm Amber Wilson. Find him on social media at Joe Fortenbaugh. Find me as well at Amber W Sports. It was quiet in Brooklyn until it wasn't. And Joe, we knew this was coming. We knew it. I mean, at some point, you know he's playing for a new contract. He's going to be a free agent this offseason. So the speculation was always Kyrie's going to play nice because he wants to get the last deal. Or it might not be the last deal, but he wants to at least get one more super max deal, whatever it may be. And then here it comes. You know, already we're going into the trade deadline. And he had a chance to sign an extension with this team last year, and they didn't figure it out. Now I, the report is that he wanted an extension. They didn't necessarily want to pay him. Whatever it may be, culture killer. That's what it is once again. Culture killer. I mean, right now, if you're Brooklyn, what are you going to do? Are you going to try to are you going to try to move him or are you going to sit here and try to figure something out because it doesn't look like it's going to work. If I'm Brooklyn, I don't want anything to do with appeasing Kyrie Irving, but I will say this. Do you let him walk for nothing at the end of this contract? He's on the final year of a deal making 36.9 million this year. He is somewhere seeking somewhere in the neighborhood of a 4-year 199 roughly million dollar deal reportedly right now there ain't no takers for that kind of deal i don't know if he's going to get to that kind of deal anywhere in the league but brooklyn themselves obviously is saying it ain't coming from us boss and so he wants to now demand a trade this is going down a little bit differently he officially requested a trade today from the brooklyn nets that was the breaking news earlier today in the nba and this went down a little bit different than before joe because before remember i mean We've done this song and dance with Kyrie before, don't forget. But we also got some trade destinations from him before. Now he just wants the money, honey. And so I think he's probably willing to go anywhere that's willing to extend him. But it doesn't seem like there's going to be any takers willing to extend him for what he wants. From the Brooklyn perspective, it is an opportunity to try to get something in return. But apparently these teams that are expressing some possible interest like the Lakers and the Mavs and the Suns and we are going to get more into actual destinations for Kyrie a little bit later in the show so you'll want to stay tuned for that also if you missed anything on Joe and Amber check out our podcast on the ESPN app but when you're talking about these teams that are reportedly expressing a little interest they're not expressing the interest in terms of the draft compensation that would be required or the players that would be required in return from Brooklyn so i don't know what this amounts to but if i'm the nets i wouldn't be doing it and make kyrie happy that's for sure well if you're the nets what do you even think you're going to get in return it's a rental it's a player right. that would be going somewhere for a few months so you can't expect well, a massive haul in return well, no. I mean, what you would do is you would try to send him to a destination that he wants to be, right? Like, reportedly, the Los Angeles Lakers might be that destination. So he wants to go to the Lakers, so you deal, wheel and deal with the Lakers, because then as part of it, he agrees to sign an extension with them. He wants the extension anyways. He wants to be there for something like four years. Then they're willing to give up a little bit more compensation. The flip side to that, though, the counter argument to that is, then they have to pay him. And they know that. So how much compensation are they really willing to give up? And the problem with Kyrie Irving is that he has tainted his reputation so so much over these years in Brooklyn he feels toxic on every level that's just the truth of it he is a heck of a player I don't know if I'd want him anywhere near my team all right so I want to dive down on something you said because you brought up how it could work well he wants to go to a team like the Lakers so then they could facilitate a deal and then they would have to end up paying him okay great 
What do the Lakers have that the Nets would want to make that deal? Well, that's and the answer to that is virtually nothing. There's nothing they have. They're not going to part with some of those key pieces, so that's off the table. They don't really have any draft picks that are worth talking about because they've given up so many first-rounders down the line that when you look at the scenario, it's not feasible for the Nets in return. So now we get to a situation where, okay, if it's not the Nets, or excuse me, not the Lakers, who else out there would be a team in which Kyrie would want to play for? Because if he doesn't want to go, he's going to make a problem right away. There aren't many teams. There really right. aren't. Well, first Who of all, I'm not, I is, mean, let's be realistic. Does Kyrie want to play anywhere? Like, is he going to be happy anywhere? Like, even in Los Angeles. I feel like he's going to make a thing anywhere. He wanted to be in Brooklyn, and he's made a thing the whole darn time that he's been there. So I wouldn't trust Kyrie to not make a thing, even if he claims initially that he wants to be there. I do think he wants the money, though. And so that could, I guess, be the motivation. Like, what team is willing to step up to the plate and offer me what I require. The Lakers do have that 2027 first rounder, that 2029 first rounder. They have made it very clear thus far that they're unwilling to part with those picks though. And again, 2029, 2029, that's a pick that's six years away. 2027 is four years away. So there's not a whole lot they can offer up. Irving could go to a place like that and be happy. It wouldn't surprise me if he landed there and they started playing really well. Because it's kind of like the new relationship sort of thing. Everyone's on their best behavior. Everyone's cognizant of other people's needs and wants and desires. So you all work together. But eventually the true colors come out. And that's what it is for Irving. He's always going to be known as this incredible talent. Just this absolutely incredible talent who couldn't necessarily get out of his own way when it came to putting the team first. Is there anywhere in the NBA where you think he would put winning and the team above his own personal needs? I don't think he's capable of it. I don't don't think he's capable of it as a person. I think at this point, we've seen that time and again in his career. And I think it's just one of those things you have to accept. He is an incredibly gifted basketball player. He is excellent on the court. If it was just about what's happening on the court, there's be a whole lot of teams signing up for Kyrie Irving, willing to trade assets for Kyrie Irving, willing to pay him what he's asking if it was just about the talent on the court. He's a tremendously talented player. The problem is that, what you just mentioned. And it's hard to imagine that that behavior is going to change anywhere in any market. You mentioned there with the Lakers, that 2027 and 2029, those first rounders, not only are are they so far away in terms of Brooklyn being able to utilize them and build, but you also are talking about, excuse me, a Lakers team that has been unwilling to part with them because that's life after LeBron, right? And are they willing? And I understand it from the Lakers perspective. Like it's not even a Kyrie thing. It's like when we used to talk about attaching them to Russell Westbrook to move him. Of course, they don't want to do that because that's their future beyond LeBron. They've already mortgaged so much of it, which you do if LeBron James wants to be on your team. But at some point, you know you have to move on from the LeBron era because the man is in his late 30s. And so you have to consider that when you're looking ahead to 2029. And that's why they're not so willing, I think, to go ahead and move those picks for, frankly, anybody. Joe and Amber is presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who switch and save with Progressive save nearly $700 on average. Call or click today. Find out if they could save you hundreds on your car insurance. Coming up next, I'm going to try to get my voice back. I've been under the weather (laughs) for weeks. It's not going away. I don't know what's happening. Also, we're going to find out more what's happening here with Kyrie Irving and the Brooklyn Nets. We're going to speak to somebody on the ground there in Brooklyn. This is Joe and Amber ESPN Radio. Joe and Amber, the podcast. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. 
Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code FIRSTTAKE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more, more than, than ever. ever. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to gamble responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. This U.S. promotional offer not available in D.C., Mississippi, North Carolina, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 for New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. For Massachusetts, 1-800-327-5050. For Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. For Puerto Rico, 1-800-981-0023. For West Virginia, Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. It is what comes with Kyrie Irving. It is the story that we have become very, very accustomed to. Joe and Amber's on ESPN Radio. All you have to do? Tell your smart speakers to play ESPN radio. It is that simple. Amber Wilson, Joe Fortenbosch. Let's dive more into this Kyrie Irving story. Nick Friedel, he covers the Brooklyn Nets for us here at ESPN. And Nick, I mean, it was quiet for a minute. Like there was a, there was a minute there where you got some rest, Nick. And hey, here we are again, huh? Like uh, that scene in Anchorman where they play the, the horn and you're like, all right, here we go. And let's start it up again. And that, Amber, the, the, the reality is, even inside that organization, as smooth as things seem to be going, people would tell you, oh, God, what's going to happen? <laughs> Nobody knew exactly what would happen, but they knew something would happen. And here we are a few days before the deadline, and the next shoe has dropped on all this. So the drama never really goes away, and now the Nets have a lot of hard questions they need to face in the next few days as they look ahead, not only to the rest of this season, but beyond that with Kevin Durant uh, and what they want to do moving forward with him as the leader of the group. So what's feasible here? Because a lot of people immediately jump to the Lakers speculation, but do the Lakers have anything the Nets would viably want in order to get a deal done? Joe, I I think it's going to depend on just what, the Lakers are willing to give up uh, as far as draft compensation because go back to the summer, it was, all right, two first-round picks. It always felt like that might be able to get something done, and, and that didn't happen. Now, if I'm the Nets, if I'm the Nets, guys, I'm, I'm thinking, okay, 
you want Kyrie, well, then take Ben Simmons' contract, too. That would entice me maybe to to really change things all the way up because that part of this conversation, to me, is getting lost. We can talk about Kyrie, and certainly Kevin Durant's future is, is much larger to a lot more teams in the league. But part of the reason the Nets are, are in this kind of no-man's land is because Ben Simmons hasn't been the player that they thought he was going to be. And he has shown flashes of the player he used to be in Philadelphia, but the consistency just isn't there. So if people are wondering, all right, well, what would it take? And, and if you're the Lakers, what exactly would you have to give up? If I'm Sean Marks and Joe Sy, I'm saying, not only the Lakers, to anybody. You want Kyrie? Right, come get Ben Simmons, too, and, and then we can have a larger discussion. Nick Friedel, ESPN NBA reporter, joining us here on Joe and Amber. So, Nick, to be clear, this is because Kyrie wants so much money, right? And the Brooklyn Nets just aren't willing to entertain that at all. This isn't just they're not getting along, right? This isn't I don't want to play with KD anymore. This this time, it's I won four years, $199 million, and the Nets are like, no chance. Well, Amber, I'd go back to a week and a half because in hindsight – the seeds for what happened today were planted about a week and a half ago. And Kyrie's stepmom, who also doubles as his agent, did an interview with our old friend and colleague, Chris Haynes. And in that interview, in as many words, she said, if the Nets don't want to play ball now and they don't want to lock us up, well, we're going to find uh, a way to to go elsewhere and make life more difficult. And, that is exactly what has occurred because it was clear in her going public with with what uh, Kyrie's side felt that, hey, we, we want to enter into something all, all the way. And if you're the Nets, you're saying, hey, Kyrie, uh, we've had a really solid two months. Uh, this thing has bounced back on track. Everybody thought it was going to just derail completely. And you've been really good. And you have the respect of everybody in that locker room. Let's just see how the rest of the season plays out. No, no, no. So that is the only thing that makes sense when you start connecting the dots, is that Kyrie wants the, the guarantees, and the Nets understandably are like, huh, you've got to be kidding me. But the, the layers involved and uh, the seeds that were planted a week and a half or, or so ago are exactly what started to come out today. Tristan Thompson seems to think that Kevin Durant would be the next to request a trade. Where where does he land in all of this right now? Joe, if you're KD, you got to be sitting there going, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go again. Why did I leave Here the bay? That, right. And, and if you're Kevin, and having been around him now that last year in Oakland, when I covered the Warriors and been around him the last year or so here in Brooklyn, he genuinely wants to win. If you're losing Kyrie, I don't see how you can look in the mirror and say, okay, well, this team has a legit chance. And to be clear, guys, I don't think this team, even if you keep Kyrie and everything's great, has a legit chance because I never thought they could get past Boston or Milwaukee in the East. But if you're moving Kyrie, if you're Kevin, you can keep the slot. You know, you can trade for the, the Westbrook deal and, and try to work out some other kind of sign and trade for somebody else in the summer. Who is that person? Who's coming in 
and and you think, oh, everything's good. And again, I tie everything back to Ben Simmons because Simmons was supposed to be that difference maker for this group, and he hasn't been. So where does Kevin ultimately land? Anybody's guess is is good right now because there there's no clear cut. Uh, answer as to what may happen in the next few days or certainly what may happen this summer. But Joe, if you're Kevin and you're looking at what's going on, you've got to be honest with yourself. Like this team is not good enough. And, and you might've gotten that answer and still may, if they decide to call Kyrie's bluff and say, let's play out the rest of the season, see what happens. They're not good enough. But if you make that move now, forget it. So uh, I, I would bet heavily that Kevin does not finish out the rest of that contract here in Brooklyn, but where he may end up, uh, only time will tell. Nick, one more for you. Nick Fidel on here with Joe and Amber. I don't know if you know this. You've covered multiple teams, obviously, for us here at ESPN. And, hey, if KD requests a trade, maybe you'll be covering another one at some point. But uh, be, I don't know if you have a sense from around the league. Do you have any idea of the attitude of players around the league and their willingness to play with Kyrie or get excited about the prospect of playing with Kyrie? Has it changed at all from his time in Brooklyn? Amber, I think this is really important uh, for people to understand. Kyrie Irving is one of the most popular players internally from other players that there is in the NBA. And people may hear that listening to us and think, no way, no way in hell after all the stuff he's done all these years. I am telling you, I have had conversations with player after player who view Kyrie in a way where they say, hell yeah, we'd want to play with him because he's incredible on the floor. They don't worry so much about uh, the other stuff that he may not be there every game or, or that there might be some other distraction. Now, that's not to say that there aren't players who roll their eyes and go, oh, man, are you kidding me to play with this dude? I mean, James Harden a year ago, <laughs> he had had enough, and he said, I'm not doing this. But player after player in the NBA, especially the younger generation, uh, coming behind where Kyrie and his generation are at right now. They love the dude on the whole. And so whether he ends up in L.A. or somewhere else, or no matter what happens, you have to understand how much people adore that guy uh, and want to see him play night after night. That is wild uh, to consider when you're on the outside looking. And Nick Fridelli covers the Brooklyn Nets for us. Thanks, Nick. You got it. See you guys. Coming up next here on Joe and Amber. It is, is it championship or bust for the Celtics this year? There's a lot to unpack in the NBA. Plus, later in the show, we get back into Kyrie Irving, potential trade destinations. This is Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio. You can also listen to us, of course, on the ESPN app. Amber Wilson, Joe Fortenbaugh will be back in just moments. Don't go anywhere. Joe and Amber, the podcast. Amber Wilson, Joe Fortenbaugh, hanging out with you here on Joe and Amber. You can find him on social media at Joe Fortenbaugh. You can find me as well at Amber W Sports. It is time for us to sound on, sound off. Let's go. They said it, but what did they really mean? What are you trying to say to us? Sound on, sound off with Joe and Amber. 
Jalen Hurts was an MVP candidate this season. He's got the Philadelphia Eagles back into the Super Bowl, but is he also the most marketable star in the NFL right now? Dan Orlovsky thinks so. He's the next guy. Like he's he's the next one, and the A- and the NFC needs it. Like the NFC needs that. I have a buddy who works for Samsung. This guy named Dave Phelps who works in marketing. He said he's the most marketable player in the NFL for the next ten years just because all of the things that he represents. So I'm with you. I I think he's the next guy. We bring in our producer, James Steele. So if you're in the NFL, Joe, what guy are you looking at as your most marketable star right now? I mean, Patrick Mahomes is probably that guy right now, if that's what we're looking for. And with Tom Brady vacating, it's going to be someone generally at the quarterback position because that's the most marquee. The thing with the NFL, you always have to remember, these guys are wearing helmets. You don't see them as much. Diehards, we know what they look like. But if you're trying to be marketable and to have a wide, broad appeal, people have to know what you look like. They have to know what you sound like. How often do you hear and see an offensive lineman or a defensive lineman or a linebacker? quarterbacks are the guys. So starting there, Hertz is in a major city on the East Coast. He's like 90 minutes from New York City, two hours or so. There's a lot that checks, a lot of boxes that are checked there. So I can see what Orlovsky's getting at. He's definitely on the on the rise. If he wins the Super Bowl, we'll be having this conversation in a different way in about 10 days. I can see what Orlovsky's getting at, particularly when it comes to the NFC. Because yeah, I think the most marketable player right now, if you're not considering Tom Brady, is probably Patrick Mahomes. That has a lot to do with the winning. And Jalen has a done the winning now there are examples of quarterbacks that have not done any winning like a Baker Mayfield who was extraordinarily marketable but that's also the star power of Baker Mayfield and that's the personality of Baker Mayfield right so all of that factors into sort of marketability it's not just about who's the best in the league with Jalen I don't know a ton when it comes to that component of Jalen Hurts frankly but if the winning comes he will certainly get the opportunities and I could absolutely see it because there is a void in the NFC for that sort of star power. And like Joe said, it normally comes from that quarterback position. LeBron James, he's incredibly marketable and he is also a superstar. LeBron is 63 points away from passing Kareem on the NBA's all-time scoring list. But can he get it all in one night on Saturday versus the Pelicans? Here's LeBron on the possibility of that happening. Yeah, I do. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't really happen on Saturday, but yeah. So, Dynamite soundbite there, riv- Riveting sound, oh, James. Yeah, riveting. I and I am so, just. So, uh, <laughs> Give me a moment to compose myself. So they, the Lakers are at the Pelicans on Saturday. Tuesday, right here on ESPN Radio, they host the Thunder. And then Thursday, they, right here on ESPN Radio, they host the Bucks. When will LeBron pass Kareem? Uh, one of those, one of those aforementioned Tuesday or Thursday games where we, as a show, are getting bumped because LeBron is chasing Kareem, and I think ESPN Radio is going to get their wish—not their wish that Joe and Amber is not on there because you will miss us and you will check out our <laughs> podcast on the ESPN app. But it's okay because I'll allow it. I'll allow our show to take the back seat to LeBron getting it done. He will absolutely get it done. One of those two nights. If you're the NBA, would you prefer it to come there on the later game against the Bucks, Joe? Because it's such a big matchup with so much star power on every side. 
the most important thing isn't the opponent, it's the location. It's not going to happen in New Orleans because it's in New Orleans. Then he's got the next two, which are at home, OKC and Milwaukee. Now, OKC would be interesting because he could put up a monster night and do it in style, right? True. That's kind of how you want some of these things to go. You don't want to need six points for the record and then you get it in the first quarter and it's like, oh, okay, you got your six points. You're still going to celebrate, but you'd love to see a record like this fall on like a 45-point effort where you're knocking shots down from everywhere. Kind of like Kobe's last game against Utah when he was just firing from everywhere, knocking down buckets. So OKC would be the game I would circle because that's where he could have the real big night. Otherwise, it's against Milwaukee and it happens in the first quarter. And I just confused myself with that tirade about LeBron bumping us because he's not bumping us. He's actually making us work longer because those are longer shows for us because we're going into those games of LeBron. So actually, you get more Joe and Amber on Tuesday and Thursday, and then you get to see LeBron, I assume, at some point here. Catch Kareem. Uh, You're welcome, by the way, for more Joe and Amber. They got to the NBA Finals last season. But lost to the Warriors in six. So is the next stop for the Celtics championship or bust? Here's Jay Will and Max Kellerman on KJM this morning. There is no better time in basketball for Boston to win a world championship than right now. Jason Tatum has elevated to elite status. I think Jalen Brown is the best shooting guard in the NBA. I think they have all the pieces from Peyton Pritchard to and Marcus Smart is not even playing, okay? To you know, get Robert Williams had probably his best game back last night since he came back in December. Mm-hmm. Joe Mazzulla is up for a coach of the year, even though he's had his little ups and downs. Um, but there is no better time in basketball than this year for the Celtics to win a championship. So, yes, it, it's championship or nothing for the Celtics. So, is Jay Will right? Is this season a disappointment if the Celtics don't win a title, Joe? I mean, yeah, I'll use the word disappointment, of course, because they want to win a title. So if you don't win a title, you're naturally going to be disappointed. I don't, I don't think there's a whole lot to that. I think if you want to go as far as the whole championship or bust, it's not a bust of a season. I mean, what are we talking about here? A bust of a season is the Houston Rockets going 13-38. and 38. That's a bust of a season. That's a joke right there. Uh, the Spurs, 14-38. and 38. The Pistons, 13-39. and 39. At least one of those teams will get the number one pick and will then be able to draft Wembenyana and turn their entire franchise around. But all those other teams that stink, that don't get the opportunity to draft a, a generational talent in the eyes of many, that's a bust. The Celtics have been playing really well. If they end up losing to a team like Giannis and the Bucks, or they make it to the finals and they lose to a really good Denver Nuggets team, not a bust of a season. It's a disappointment, but not a bust. Is there something I don't know about the contracts of Jason Tatum and and Marcus Smart and Jalen Brown? Like, are they going somewhere there for the Boston Celtics? So, no, it's not championship or bust. It would be a disappointment, sure, because we are talking about a Celtics team that is good enough to win a championship. And that is where the expectation is. I've often talked about with this C's team, they've gone according to schedule. It's like you draft well, that core works together. They start having more and more success in the regular season. They make the Eastern Conference Championship. They win the East. They make the NBA Finals. Now, obviously, the next step is to win the NBA Finals. Yes, they would be according to schedule to go ahead and do that this season, but they're going to have more opportunities to do just that the next few seasons. I just don't see any reason to think the Celtics are going to be taking a step back here. So, no, I don't think it's championship or bust. It's not like there's some championship window that's about to close for that team. Derek Carr was on fire yesterday in the quarterback accuracy competition during the Pro Bowl weekend. It was almost like he was auditioning to play for other teams. Here's Ryan Clark asking Carr about how hot he was during the accuracy competition. 
Listen, Derek, you've thrown touchdown passes in Vegas before. You've been on fire. Have you ever been that hot in Las Vegas? Not that hot. It's uh, probably why I'm going somewhere else. <laughs> it's nice to see he has a sense of humor about it, right? Uh, so Adam Schefter also reported earlier today that the Raiders granted Derek Carr permission to speak with other teams interested in training for him uh, who have also agreed to the compensa- compensation with Las Vegas. It's cut the same type of arrangement the Texans had with Deshaun Watson. So, uh, Amber, what's the best fit for Derek Carr? The best fit for Derek Carr. You know, I don't hate the fit with the New York Jets for Derek Carr. Joe, call me crazy, but we're spending so much time acting like Aaron Rodgers is going to end up on the Jets, which I just don't believe for a variety of reasons, one of which I just can't imagine his end of his career going exactly like Brett Favre's did. But Derek Carr would be a quarterback you could bring in, obviously, with a very veteran presence there in that locker room, and that might be the thing that that team needs to push it over the edge. A young up-and-coming team that should be good for years to come. It might suit Derek Carr. Maybe he wants to go to the number one country or the number one market in the country and go ahead and stick it to the Raiders. That might be fun for him. I don't know if you want to go deal with the Jets. Um Carr Carr had a nice career with the Raiders because there was never really that much media scrutiny. The bar wasn't set very high. The media is not going to get all over you in the Bay Area. They'll they'll criticize, but it's not like New York. He's got young kids. I don't know why you'd want to go to New York and deal with that. I'd throw a couple teams out there. I think Indianapolis is a good fit. You got Jonathan Taylor running the ball, um, but you still don't know what the coaching situation looks like. So for him, he's probably considering uh, staying away from something like that. And then with Washington, Ron Rivera is still there. You've got receivers. You got Brian Robinson at running back. You've got a half decent defense there. You'd be in a tough division, but that could be a place where you could get something done. So I don't know. We'll see what the best fit ends up playing out to be. The Jets are one that everyone's linked to, but for some of these guys, if it's going to be the same amount of money, why would you want to go there to deal with that? I mean, some people might, I guess, be attracted to the idea because of that defense, because of the weapons, because of the way that the Jets have drafted recently and how it has worked out for that organization. But I'm with you. It's still the Jets. So it's still hard, frankly, to accept. Coming up next year on Joe and Amber. Why is Jerry Jones opposed to going all in? We're going to get into it. This is ESPN Radio. You can also listen to us on the ESPN app. Joe and Amber, the podcast. We are going to get into the Dallas Cowboys and the latest from old Jerry Jones in just moments. But first here on Joe and Amber, it is pizza money number one. You know the deal by now. Joe gives you the advice. Small wager, nothing crazy. You're not going to bet the house on it, but maybe you'll bet some pizza money. Pizza money alert. Pizza, pizza. All right, let's try to close the week in style. Two and one on our last show, which was Wednesday. That puts us at seven and two for the week. Our first one, we're going to go to boxing for the first time ever tonight on ESPN. It's around 10 p.m. Eastern, the WBO 130-pound championship of the world. Emmanuel Navarrete taking on Liam Wilson. We're going to go under seven and a half rounds. Navarrete has been sloppy as of late. He's one of the most dangerous guys in the business, but whether it's his preparation, whether it's his mindset some of these fights we've been seeing him in hasn't exactly been razor sharp Wilson is coming in very well trained very well prepared these two are both going to be going for the knockout I don't see it getting to the point where we're deep in the weeds in the 10th round or so so we're going to play under seven and a half rounds a little bit juiced minus 125 in the Emmanuel Navarrete Liam Wilson Mm, 
WBO 130 pound championship tonight. So there you have it. Pizza money number one. There will be a couple more pizza monies where that came from later in the show. Certainly stay tuned for that. Maybe nobody loves a microphone more than Aaron Rodgers, except for Jerry Jones, of course, because he certainly loves a microphone as well. The owner of the Dallas Cowboys was in front of one again recently. This is what he said on why he won't risk long-term success for short-term or long-term. Just take a listen. (laughs) I do think longer term, and I'm real hesitant to bet it all. For a year, we're seeing a couple of teams that have had some real success putting it all out there and paying for it later in Philadelphia and Los Angeles. Don't think that doesn't pop my head and get my eye. That's pretty impressive to have two teams in the last two years empty the bucket and get to the Super Bowl. But you're drafting development. But if you miss, you miss. It is a long go. So there you have it, Joe. He explains the philosophy there. Now, apparently, he's saying it worked for Philadelphia, but if they had whiffed on it, it would have been a long go. What do you make of what Jerry Jones just said? I think he's wrong, and I think he would do it uh, just like they would if it got him a Super Bowl. How old is he now? Jerry Jones, he was born in 1942, so I've got a filibuster here. 80 years old. He's 80 years old. Okay? 80. You don't think that he would trade long-term viability if he could win the Super Bowl this year? He absolutely would. Every owner on earth would trade for a Super Bowl win. So anytime you hear these things like, no, 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 we're building for the future. Those guys emptied the bucket. First of all, how exactly did they empty the bucket? Jalen Hurts is a set. Go ahead. That was what, no, no, no. That's what I was going to ask. Like, what, what, what did I miss with the Eagles emptying the bucket with everything? They went out and made moves like A.J. Brown where they traded away a draft pick because they have so many first-rounders, so they brought him in and they paid him. But they've got a quarterback on a second-round deal that doesn't cost a lot of money. They, they, they're not emptying the bucket. That's what he doesn't seem to understand. If you go through the way the contracts are structured, they're going to lose some of these guys, sure. But the team is still set up for long-term success. The biggest problem for Jones, he would love to do this. He just doesn't know how. He had the window with Dak on the rookie deal. They couldn't figure it out. Now he's here, and it's sour grapes. What fan base wouldn't trade going all the way in to win a Super Bowl, and then maybe you have a few bad years. Who cares? You won a Super Bowl. I, I genuinely agree with you. I mean, I do think, like, you know, if you ask Los Angeles Rams fans right now, are you having fun? Are you having a good time? You know, was it worth it? Probably. But I guess it, it depends where that goes in the future, right? Like, if they don't win another one for 10 years, are they still going to say it was worth it? And they emptied the bucket because they emptied the bucket in terms of draft picks, right? Bleep the draft picks. And it worked. But if you're going to do that, then yes, you are mortgaging your future. I would imagine that the sweet spot is maybe somewhere in between. But he did cite two examples where it so, you know, quote unquote works, I guess, to empty the bucket, even though, again, like the Eagles were largely built through the drafts. I don't really know what we're doing there. Uh, But if you could do it both ways, Joe, like that seems ideal to me where it's like, okay, you don't necessarily have to mortgage your entire future. You still have picks. You can still hang on to some picks, but you're able to build enough of a complete team. And really the only way that you t- you tend to see that work in the NFL is the quarterback on the rookie contract. Cause then you still have the money to spread around and you don't necessarily have to empty the bo- bucket, so to speak. What's interesting, don't forget, is we just had this conversation about Dak Prescott and the comments surrounding Dak Prescott from his own teammate in terms of the rookie contract and how the success of that can play into things. But yeah, if he had a cheaper quarterback, maybe emptying the bucket wouldn't even be part of this conversation. 
Everything comes down to finding your window and maximizing your opportunity. All right, the NFL isn't really set up for a team to win five out of six Super Bowls. What the Chiefs are doing, what the Patriots did, that's not the norm. That's not a blueprint you can follow. You need an absolute generational, one-of-a-kind quarterback who's going to go down as one of the three best of all time. And then in that situation, yeah, you can compete. For everybody else, it's about building the best team you can and then having a window where you can put your foot to the floor. That's what Philadelphia did. They looked around at their division and they said, hmm, The Giants stink, Washington is average at best, and Dallas just can't get out of its own way. Best path to the playoffs is to win the division, so what do we have? Well, we got Jalen Hurts. He doesn't cost us a lot of money. We're pretty excited. We've been building in the trenches for two years. Let's go out and address some of our problems. We could use help at wide receiver for Jalen Hurts. Boom. Take a first-round pick because you have so many of them. Flip it to Tennessee and grab yourself A.J. Brown, immediately give him a contract. What else do you do? Well, we can improve the pass rush a little bit. You go out and you get Hassan Reddick. You go out and you make a deal with the Saints who, whatever they were doing with C.J. Gardner-Johnson made absolutely no sense. There are still people all over the place that cannot understand why the Saints got rid of him. They didn't want to pay him, so Philadelphia took advantage of that. Have good relationships around the league. Make phone calls. Figure out who's available. The Eagles realized with the way the NFC shook down this year, They were in position, and they went out, and they made the key moves to put themselves over the top. That's what it's about in this league. The Dallas Cowboys can't figure that out. They had a window with Dak. They blew it, and now they're kind of stumbling around trying to figure out what's next, all while Mike McCarthy is going to take on more responsibility, something that no one thinks is a good idea outside of Jerry Jones. The key to everything that you just mentioned, and they spent a bunch of money on that O-line. You mentioned the A.J. Brown deal, the other pieces that they brought in. Everything that you just mentioned has everything to do with the fact that, like you said, they've got a quarterback on not just a rookie deal, but also a quarterback that they drafted in the second round on a rookie deal, right? We're not talking about number one overall pick money, and they seem to have hit on that quarterback position. It makes everything else around him possible and easier. Now, a Patrick Mahomes, sure, certainly the outlier in this conversation, because you're seeing Patrick Mahomes get paid monster money and still be able to do it no matter what receiving core you throw his way. It did cost him Tyreek Hill. They haven't missed a step, arguably, without Tyreek Hill. And so obviously Patrick Mahomes is that generational quarterback that can lift everybody up around him. And so you either need that or you need the guy on the rookie deal. And Dak ain't either of those things. And I think that's part of the problem for the Dallas Cowboys. Like when you pay Dak as much as you're paying him, the 40 mil or whatever it is per, then you're going to have to get rid of Amari Cooper. Like it's going to cost you some of these weapons. So then you're not in the position to bring the weapons in like a team like the Eagles is. So I think maybe that is even the more important component of the conversation that Dak doesn't fit into either of those categories. No, he's kind of like Matthew Stafford in Detroit. He's got some talent, but there's not enough coaching and there's not enough talent around him to put him over the top. And that's, that's on management. And ultimately that's on Jerry Jones. And it is, it's ultimately on Jerry Jones to figure out how to work with what you have though, and the contracts and where the market is for those sort of quarterbacks coming up next. We go back to the Kyrie Irving conversation. He has requested a trade. We'll get back into it. This is ESPN radio. Joe and Amber, the podcast.